it's graduation day, and, and with the opportunity to get to, to speak on a Sunday morning when we honor our graduates, I, I picked this topic because I think it's an important thing for, uh, for you guys to listen to and grab hold of as you're looking toward what you're going to be doing in the future. But not just our graduates, but all of our students, you guys, and people like me and all of our adults. Wisdom is something that's one of the most important characteristics of a, of a Christ follower. And I think it's one of the things that really sets us apart from other people. And so I want us to think about that a little bit this morning. I want you to find uh, Proverbs chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. At a university, a dean was having a faculty meeting with all of his heads of department heads. And as they were in the meeting room, him sitting at the head, an angel appeared in the midst of the boardroom at the university. And he came to the dean of students and he said, I've been sent here to grant you one of three things. Infinite wisdom, infinite beauty, or infinite wealth. Take your pick. So the dean thought for a minute. It didn't take him long to decide what he wanted. He was a scholarly man, so obviously he chose infinite wisdom. It's done. The angel disappears. And the dean just kind of sits at the head of the table with with this kind of dazed look on his face. And all the other faculty is sitting around there waiting to find out what he's going to say. And everybody's kind of nervous. They don't know whether to speak up. They don't know when he's going to talk. And he sits there for what seems like a long time and doesn't say anything until finally one of the faculty members says, Well, say something. I should have taken the money. (laughs) For those of you that don't get it, the angel gave him infinite wisdom like he asked for. And the wisdom told him he should have taken the money. Um, (laughs) Wisdom is something that I think we all desperately need. I don't know about you, but I do. And it seems like on a daily basis... I feel like I'm calling out to God for wisdom. Lord, tell me what direction to go. Tell me what choice to make. Uh, Tell me how to handle this conflict that I'm in. I think sometimes we, we think we're reaching out for wisdom and we cry out for wisdom, but we're doing it in the wrong way. And maybe that's why we have a hard time receiving wisdom for the, from the Lord. And this passage in Proverbs 2, I think, gives us a lot of insight. And there are three things that just really jump out of this passage that I want us to talk about this morning that can apply to our graduates, to our students, to all of us as individuals and Christ followers. So if you'll take a look at Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, say this. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding... Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Now, knowledge and wisdom are two different things. We may know a lot of people who have knowledge, but lack wisdom. 
there was a friend of mine, uh, there was a guy that I went to school with. He's in middle school and high school. I was with him, and this kid was brilliant. He knew, he, he made the grades, he knew the stuff in the books. Um, but he said some of the most bonehead things I've ever heard come out of the mouth of a human being sometimes. Just common sense, everyday wisdom that I would just look at him and go, like on a daily basis it seemed, I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? And, and maybe sometimes if you, if you have middle schoolers that grow up in your house, you know how that feels. Um, because that's a, that's a little phase of life that we all go through um, where we're, we're trying to attain knowledge. But sometimes wisdom, which is the application of that knowledge um, in the best way, is sometimes really hard to, hard to grasp. So the, the question we want to try to answer is, how do I grasp hold of real godly God-given wisdom, and where does it come from, and how can, I, how can I grab it? Well, number one, in verses one and two, and, and this proverb, when, when you read it, it sounds as if a father is sitting down with his son saying, son, I'm going to give you some advice. I want to give you some wisdom that you're going to need from this point forward. And so just sit down here with me, almost as if God is just sitting down at the table with us going, all right, son, listen, this is what you need to know. Verses 1 and 2 say, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your what? Ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Number one is that wisdom comes from listening. Wisdom comes from listening. Now, there's, um, there is a difference between hearing and listening. Amen? I expected to get more wife amens that time than I did husband's. Um, ladies, there's a difference in listening and hearing, right? Amen, Amen ladies. Um, men are sometimes not so good at that. Uh, parents, <laughs> you, know, you get some amens from parents too on that one. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Wives, we as husbands hear you. I promise we hear you. Uh, we're not always listening. But we do hear you, and it's that dreaded moment when your wife is talking to you and your mind is really focused on something else, but they're talking and talking, and then they end, they end their phrase with, you know what I mean? Or, does that make sense? And you go, yeah. <laughs> and then they say, what did I just say? <laughs> um, and you caught two or three words in there, so you try to make up something that sounds like, you know what I'm talking about? You caught two or three words in there, so you try to make up something that sounds like an intelligent answer, and they don't buy it. And they're like, you weren't listening to me at all, were you? No. There's a big difference between hearing and listening. And what this passage, God calls us to listen when we seek him for wisdom. Uh, there was a dad getting ready, uh, getting ready for bed. He had put his little girl to bed, given her a bath, sent her in her room. And as he walked past her room, he saw that she was knelt down beside her bed praying. So he was kind of overcome with joy. And he thought, oh, my little girl's praying. She's only five, but she's, she's next to her bed praying. And so he stood outside her door just so he could kind of sneak a listen as to what she was telling God. And this is what he heard coming from her room. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Over and over and over. And she would just recite the alphabet. And so after he listens to her do this for two or three times, she gets in the bed and um, 
as to not look like he was eavesdropping, he wakes a second and then he walks in the room and tucks her in and he says, Honey, I, I, I saw that you were saying your prayers tonight. Can you tell me why you were telling Jesus your ABCs? And her answer was, Well, Daddy, God is really, really smart and when I don't really know what I need to pray, I just say my ABCs and he figures it out. <laughs> now, as cute as that is, there's a lot of wisdom in that. I want you to think about the last, uh, the last time you prayed, what, what you spend the majority of your prayer time doing. It's probably talking. We spend the majority of our time in prayer talking, giving God our list of things that are going wrong, things that are difficult, these are the issues going on. And then most of the time we spend a lot of our prayer time telling God how to fix it, don't we? God, here's my issues. Here are the circumstances that I'm dealing with. This is what I need you to do to fix it. I need you to do this in this person. I need you to do this in my job. I need you to do this in my family. And we kind of figure, it's almost as if we figure out the plan and we just tell God, this is, this is what I need you to do to, to fix my issue. And I wonder how often he, he hears us and listens to us and he desires to speak truth back into our lives, but because we're so busy talking and coming up with the answers on our own, we're not really listening. And so we can't hear what he has to say. How often have you spent time in prayer with the Lord simply being quiet, being still, not saying anything, not giving him a list, not giving him suggestions on how he can fix some circumstance that, that you're trying to deal with? How often do we just sit in the stillness of the presence of God and let the Holy Spirit speak truth into our lives? I'll tell you why I think we don't do that. Is because most of the time when we pray and we're asking God for answers, the answers we're looking for are the answers that we want. The answers that we want to listen for are the ones that God has that backs up and confirms what we've already figured out. And what I think our issue is sometimes is that we don't listen for what he wants to say to us. We listen for what we hope he will say to us. There's a difference. There's also a thing that we do with God that, that we do in our normal relationships with people when it comes to listening. And I have to illustrate it for you to get what I'm talking about. You're in a conversation with somebody, your spouse, your coworker, your children, and you're listening to them. They're talking, and you're taking in everything that they're saying. Until the brilliant idea pops in your mind of what you're going to say next. You know what I'm talking about? You're listening to them, and they're talking, and then all of a sudden you have this brilliant, oh, 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 oh I know what I'm going to say next. At that moment that we figure out what we're going to say next, we quit listening. And our hearing goes from listening to waiting for you to stop talking so I can say what I want to say. Yeah, so y'all are shaking your head. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And you can almost see, you can almost see on their face when the transition happens. You're listening, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. Oh, I just came up with something good. Hurry up and quit talking so I can say it. And, that, and then from that point on, we quit listening and we're just waiting to talk. I think maybe in our prayer life we do that. 
we are thinking? What do we want to say? What is it that I'm trying to communicate to God? How is it that I can explain what I'm going through in a way that he'll understand it so that he'll know exactly what I'm asking him to do here? (laughs) Really? Why don't you try saying your ABCs next time you pray? And see if the Lord doesn't hear your heart and speak truth to you. We've got to listen. And we also have to learn, be willing to listen to God and tell him where we're wrong and where we don't understand. Instead of saying, God, <laughs> convince this person that I'm right. Or tell me that what I'm doing here is the right thing, because I think it is. Maybe if we began our prayers by saying, Lord, I'm, I don't really know if I'm right or not. I need you to tell me. I need you to show me where I'm wrong. I need you to show me where I lack understanding first. Before you confirm anything and tell me that I'm doing anything right, why don't you tell me what I'm doing wrong first? Maybe if we started to change the ways we approached that, we would hear the wisdom of God more often. So we have to listen. Not This proverb says if you turn your ear to wisdom, not your mouth, you don't have to talk all the time. Maybe stop talking sometimes. And let God speak and listen. The second thing is in verses 3 and 4. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. Number two is wisdom comes from searching. Sometimes you have to search for it. Parents, wives, again. Um, your kids, your husband comes in the room. Honey, have you seen my shoes? Yeah, they're in the bedroom. Well, I I looked in the bedroom, can't find them. Did you really look in the bedroom? (laughs) I'm already hearing little amens like under people's breaths. And then you say, yes, I looked. And then they follow you and they go into the room. And you ever hear this line from your parents? If I go in your room and find this, I'm going to kill you. You know, because they got to stop what they're doing to go find what you should have been able to find. It wasn't that hard if we really look for it. And, and husbands, it, don't our wives have this crazy, and the kids, you may go, yeah, my mom is like that. Have this crazy ability to know exactly where something is, like down to the finest detail. Like if I were to go to Kim and say, Kim, have you seen that? I, I, I got a new pen yesterday and I was using I can't find it. Do you know, you know where it is? And she'll say something like, well, why don't you go in the bedroom and look in the dresser in the second drawer down next to the what's it, what's it, what's it, and down under that and pick that up and you'll probably find it. It's under there. Anybody ever... You know what I'm talking about? And then you go to the exact place that they told you to and you count the drawers and go up and open it and pick up everything. There it is. It's like like magic. Like they know exactly where it it is. And um, you're like, why can't can't I do that? Sometimes we we aren't willing to put the effort into looking for something. Even at home, if we just looked an extra minute, picked up one more thing and looked under it, we might find what we're looking for. But we give up too easy. We get a little lazy. There was a man uh, who was walking through the park one night, and he sees another gentleman next to a lamppost in the park, and he's and he's walking around the lamppost, and he's 
he's squinting his eyes and he's he's kind of walking in circles looking and so he decides, well, the dude must have lost something. I'll go help him. He walks up. He says, sir, can I help you? And he says, yeah, I've lost my watch. I can't find my watch anywhere. And he said, well, I'll help you look for it. And they look around, can't find it. He says, well, well trace your steps back. Tell me where you last remember having it. He said, oh, I remember I felt it fall off my wrist. He said, well, where were you when it fell off your wrist? He said, over there somewhere. Okay, um, well, why are you looking here and not over there he said well the light's better here it's so dark over there i can't see anything (laughs) don't we do that don't we do that with wisdom and truth sometimes don't we just expect god to speak the obvious have you ever actually done like i've been guilty of doing in my life had a situation that was so um, that I was stressing about so much and so frustrated and wanted to know the answer that God had so much that I would just be driving down the road and say, God, why don't you just put it on a billboard or something? Just tell me what I'm supposed to do and I'll do it. <laughs> and he kind of says to me, no, I'm not ever going to do that for you because that requires no faith on your part whatsoever for me to write an answer on a billboard or send an airplane to write a message in the sky for you to tell you what to do. I'm not going to do that. Or maybe we come to church, we have an issue in our life, and we come to church and we think, well, if God has an answer for me, he'll say it through the preacher. Or if God has an answer for me, he'll say it through my Bible study leader. Or maybe that little devotional book that I get in Sunday school. Maybe if I take that home and read it, maybe it'll be in there. But if it's not in any one of those places, I guess God doesn't have an answer for me. No, I'm pretty sure God does have an answer, and God does have wisdom to give you in that situation, but you're going to have to look for it. You might actually have to pick your Bible up and read it and get it out of your car one day during the week and actually search the Scriptures to find what it is that God wants to say to you. Did anybody ever do this bit when they were a kid? When you would sit down and you would want to read your Bible? (laughs) Where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) You did that. I mean, and that's a childish thing to do. But don't we sometimes just sort of expect God to answer our prayers that way? Just really obvious. Um. God, I don't really have a lot of time to spend digging for something. So if you could just make it clear and make it easy and put it out there right in the light where I can see it. And don't, don't make it where i got to dig around in the dark for too long or, or try because I'm really busy. Could you just make it, put it out there and let me see it. And I think oftentimes the answer to that is No. I'm not going to do that. And it's not because he wants to hold wisdom back from us. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. It's not that God is holding back wisdom. It's not that Christianity is this secret religion that so many cults of the world... One of the ways you can tell a cult is if there's this secret knowledge and secret wisdom that is only held by a certain hierarchy in the religion, then you can know it's a cult. The truth of God is not like that. It is here for everybody. We have the same access 
to the truth of the Word of God that any person on the planet does. He, he reveals His truth openly. And any of us that seek wisdom, He promises that He'll give it. But maybe the problem is not that He's not giving it, but that we're not really seeking it. He says in those verses, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, that, that echoes desperation. That it's not a casual seeking, that it's a desperate cry out to God for wisdom. And verse 4 says, if you look for it like as silver and search for it like a hidden treasure. Like a hidden treasure. You may have to, you're going to have to read the map. You're going to have to follow some directions. And you may have to go down a path and through a journey before you find the X that marks the spot that has your answer. It's not that he's wanting to hold it back from you. It's that it's not obvious. But he promises if you search for it, you'll find it. I will help you. I will guide you along that path and that journey to find that answer that you're looking for. But you've got to try. Wisdom doesn't come accidentally or unintentionally. It only comes when we seek it. And listen, let me say one other thing to you. When we're seeking the wisdom of God, don't just trust people like me. Don't just depend on our pastor or your Bible study leader or the book by the hottest author that's just come out. Don't just trust those things to find the wisdom of God. Uh, Rich Mullins, y'all hear me, y'all laugh every time I mention Rich because I talk about him all the time. Uh, In a concert once, uh, this was a quote. He was in front of uh, a church, and he was singing, and this is something he said. I think, I think it's funny being a Christian musician. It always scares me when people think so highly of Christian music, contemporary Christian music especially. But I kind of go, I know a lot of us, and we don't know jack about anything. Not that I don't want you to buy our records and come to our concerts. I sure do. But you should come for entertainment. If you really want spiritual nourishment, you should go to church. And if you really want answers from God, you should read the scriptures. I was guilty of that when I was in middle school and high school. I was the kid that was in church every time the doors were open. And I became guilty of this. What I did, I was the nerdy Christian kid in high school. And I went through this phase where I thought the only music God ever wanted me to listen to was Christian music. And I couldn't listen to secular music. So all I listened to was Christian music. And I was the geek that knew all the Christian music and didn't know any secular music, but I fooled myself into thinking that I didn't have to read my Bible because I listened to so much Christian music. You know, everything I learned about God, I learned from Michael W. Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman, and Petra and Whiteheart and bands like that that y'all have never heard of before. Uh, But I was guilty of that. I, I took something that was of God and I substituted it for his word. And maybe we'll do that. Don't let sermons or, or Sunday school lessons or books by great men who are smart and brilliant in the Word of God, don't let those books and those things of God replace the Word of God in your life. God says if you want wisdom, you'll find it here. You'll, you'll search for it and you'll find it. And then lastly... Is in verses 5 and 6. This proverb says, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom, 
and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The third thing is that true wisdom only comes where humility is already present. Humility. That's what this passage is talking about when it says the fear of the Lord. Listen to these other words of Scripture. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 15.33 says, Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord. And humility comes before honor. Psalm 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding, and to him belongs eternal praise. We've got to quit being afraid of everything around us more than we're afraid of God. Now, when I say afraid of God, I don't mean... We're talking about a humility here. We're not talking about a, a, a fear, oh, I'm afraid God's going to strike me dead. I'm scared of God. But a fear of the Lord that brings that place where you place yourself under his authority, under his power, under his knowledge, under his wisdom, and know that everything that you have to give and every bit of knowledge and understanding that you, that you have can't compare with what he has. And you put yourself under his authority and humbly come to him, not with part of the plan figured out and just needing him to proofread your plan so that it'll be right. That's what we do too often. That's what I did in, in searching for my path of, of ministry where God wanted me. I had a whole other plan drawn out. And I just gave him my plan and wanted him to proofread it and say, okay, here you go. This is what I'm going to do. And he finally said, no. No, it's not. You can do that if you want to, but that's not mine. That's yours. Do you want yours or do you want mine? Put yourself under... The fear, the humility of the Lord. There's another Christian music artist by the name of Steve Camp. Steve Camp was popular in the late 80s, early 90s. He was a tremendous uh, pianist, incredible songwriter, huge student of scripture. Most of his songs actually were just the Bible, right? His lyrics just came straight out of scripture. He was um, He was phenomenal. But into the early 90s and mid-90s, he began to see a a shift in the Christian music industry. And he saw the industry becoming much more commercial and being much more involved and and much more concerned about money and marketing and what, how can we get more exposure. And so Christian companies started merging with secular companies and the business aspects of, of things just really started to get mixed up and muddled. And he had some really strong feelings about the way he thought music and ministry should be. And so he did a very bold thing. Um, In the same tradition as Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer who penned um, an an indictment on the Catholic Church um, that he called the 95 Theses and listed 95 uh, issues or sins of the church um, that he thought should be addressed, and he pinned it on the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. Steve Camp did the same thing for the Christian music industry, but he had 107 theses. And he wrote it and had it published in the Nashville newspaper in a full-page print-up. And shortly after that, uh, Steve Camp's career went downhill. Um, He was 
blackballed by much of the industry. His his label, um, Warner Alliance, was the label he had at the time they uh, dropped him as an artist. Uh, lost his record contract. People quit booking him for concerts. He he kind of fell off the face of the earth because of the stand he took for what he believed Scripture taught about music and ministry. I had the opportunity uh, once while I was working at Heaven's Attic to go to Nashville with Kim to be a part of GMA Week, which is basically the week in Nashville that all of the gospel and Christian music industry comes together and, and they have this big convention. Well, as someone working in a retail store, the store let me go and I got to be a part of this luncheon. Basically, when you go as a retailer, their job is to smooth you and give you all sorts of free stuff so that you buy lots of their product when you go back to your store and you sell their artists. Well, they will invite you to dinners and lunches, feed you free meals and let you listen to artists sing in hopes that you'll go back to your store and buy lots of their product. Well, at one of these particular lunches, I was sitting with Kim, and I noticed about two tables over, and Steve Camp is sitting at one of these tables. And he's sitting out with all the common people like us, you know, and he's, he's just hanging out with some folks, and he's obviously by himself. And so I kind of, you know, the geeky nerd in me kind of freaks out, and I start hitting Kim going, that's Steve Camp over there. I know that's Steve Camp. As soon as we're done with this, I'm going over to talk to him because I was, I was so excited because I'd been listening to his music, looked up to him. It was over... I went up and walked up to him. He was obviously by himself. And I said, Mr. Camp, I, I, my name is Eric. I'm, I work for a retail store. I'm, I'm here for CMVR. I just want to uh, tell you that I'm a big fan. And I really appreciate the stand you take in the industry for what you believe the Word of God teaches. And I said, you're, you're an encouragement to me. And he, he was very kind, very gracious. He said, I, I really appreciate that. That encourages me. Thank you. And, and he, he talked to me for a second. And then I just, he was so comfortable Talking to, I, I just asked him point blank at one time. At the end of the conversation, I said, Mr. Camp, you, you really do take a pretty firm stand on what you believe, and, and, you're, and you're not ashamed to, to say it. I said, I, look, I admire that in you so much. How do you do that? And he was very humbled by it. It wasn't arrogant at all, but he said something I'll never forget. He just looked at me very simply, and he said, you know what? It's, it's not really that big of a deal. It comes down to one thing. I fear God more than I fear the Gospel Music Association. And I thought, wow, here's a guy whose career went in the garbage because he stood up for what he thought was truth, and he didn't care. He was completely content with it because the humility that he had under the Lord, he was more concerned about his accountability to God than he was his accountability to some record executive or some producer or some label. And I looked, that just blew me away as a young 20-something-year-old. That just blew me away. And I thought, and I walked away from that thinking, God, I want to have that kind of fear for you. That, That Do you realize that fear, when we are humble before the Lord and we take this kind of humility in, that the fear of the Lord will equal boldness among people, that if we understand and have a healthy fear of the Lord, that it's going to make us bold. Steve Camp, the only way he would have had the boldness before the industry to do that is if he had a healthy fear of the Lord. And so if we understand that, that will translate into boldness in our lives. And we don't have to step forward into the wisdom of God and being scared of what's going to happen around us or what people are going to think. That we can step into that and be, and be confident in it. 
and not our own wisdom. James chapter 3, verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. He's warning us here to say, don't gather up your own wisdom like we do so often and we come before God and we figure out the plan and we figure out how to fix it and we come to him and say, God, here's how to fix it. I just need you to do it. He says, be careful. That, that is earthly wisdom. That is wisdom that comes from us. And that is of no good and it's of no value. He calls it earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And he says, don't do it. Don't, don't let wisdom be birthed out of selfish ambition. Wisdom is very much like humility. We've heard Pastor Tim say before that humility is a characteristic that if, if you think you have it, if you think you're a humble person, then you probably aren't as humble as you think you are. Wisdom is the same thing. The more wise you think you are, the probably the less you really do understand. Wisdom is one of those things that I think the older we get and the more we learn about the wisdom of God, the more we realize we don't know. And I think that's when, when we're able to take our own earthly wisdom and set it aside. And through listening... And through searching the scriptures and seeking after God and through lining ourselves up under his authority and humility, then that's where we see wisdom come into our lives in a way that we never expected. And we begin to see God shape a path that leads directly in, in the way that he wants us to go. Don't come to God after you've already figured out most of the plan. Come to God and let him show you. Let him write the plan from the very beginning. And then you will gain the wisdom that comes from above.